Hello and welcome to our new podcast, Where You're From, with husband and wife team Hitomi, that's me, and Max. Hello indeed. Welcome to Where You're From, where we talk about each other's history and culture. So Hitomi. Yes. Tell everyone, what's your cultural background? Well, I was born in the Philippines in Cebu to a Japanese dad、mm-hmm. and a Filipino Chinese Spanish mom. Exotic. Very exotic. So I grew up with basically four different types of cultures in our house. Holy shit. So if,、uh, if you've got two backgrounds, you're a half. So, what does that make you? I'm a quadruple threat. <laughs> no doubt about that. No doubt about that.、Uh, so, uh, we, can, we can talk about quite a lot there, can't we? Because we've got four backgrounds. Yes,、right、and、there. what's your background, Mr. Beckwith? Well, I am quite an exotic pineapple. I'm,、uh, I'm half British and half English. <laughs> Yeah, so ba- basically, how this is going to work, ladies and gents, I'm going to teach you and my lovely wife about events from her cultures. And she'll do the same about my English heritage and my British heritage. Lots of people like to say British, I say English, some people say UK. But it's open to, I'm not, I'm not limited to England only, right? No. Well, you, you shouldn't really do like Germany or Botswana or something. No, but,、uh, I'm saying like the UK can, can delve into Wales and Scotland. You can delve into Wales, Scotland, Ireland, Ireland. Northern Ireland,、yeah. Isle of Man. <laughs> but it, I don't really give a shit about those. But no, they're beautiful places, of course. Do as you wish. Okay. Just to add and throw another、uh, bone into the pot, as the expression goes,、uh, where, where do we live right now? Tell everyone where we live. We live in Japan right now. We are in we Japan.、Do. Yeah, we're in、uh, Corona lockdown. In not ju- really. In, well, not really. We're locked down as in we can do whatever we like, but just be a bit careful, really. All right, so let's get this,、uh, this dog. On the road. So I'm going to start off again with、uh, some, some interesting little tidbits about the Philippines. Okay, one of your backgrounds? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Tidbits, or should I say a person、mm-hmm. who is a tit? <laughs> you like that? Tidbits.、Yeah. Right. So、he's a tit. All right, I like that one. Yeah, get in. All right. Now, I'm going to talk about. You may not have heard of this person from the Philippines.、Mm-hmm. His name is、uh, Rodrigo Duterte. Did I say that right? Are you saying. Is that how you think it's said? Yeah. No? Am I not even close? Duterte. Yes, that's what I said. President Rodrigo Duterte. Duterte. D- du-、uh, Dudu Duterte. Is that right? Duterte. Duterte. Pres- Rodrigo du- Duterte. Duterte. <laughs> yeah, my,、uh, my Philippine accent also sounds very, very Indian. Yes. Rodrigo Duterte,、oh、which is just racism, straight up, straight in. Yep. All right, episode one racism, getting straight in there. Rodrigo Duterte, he is the president, current president. Of the Philippines. Okay, I'll give you a little, little background on him straight away. So he's,、uh, he's, he's been、uh, president since、uh, mid June,、mm-hmm. June 2016, when he became the 16th president of the Philippines. Did you know that? Has there only been 16? Oh, well, I guess Marcos with his 20 year reign.、There. Only 16? There's been about five presidents of the United States. Well, 
take into account Marcos took like 20 of those years, so that's like five presidents worth. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. <laughs> nice. Waka waka. <laughs> All right, then, Hotshot. Who did he succeed? Well, is this a quiz or is this... Well, it's turned into a quiz, seeing as you know it all. Um, he succeeded Noi Noi Aquino. That's not what I've got written down here. He succeeded uh, Benigno. <laughs> yeah, that's Noi Noi. <laughs> yeah, be- no, he says be- Benigno. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. Aquino. Aquino. Aquino the third. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And did you know that it was uh, age 71? 71 became the president of the Philippines. That's half of Joe Biden's age. Right? He yeah. became the uh, president of the Philippines. Oldest person. To become president? Yep. Oh, I didn't In know that. In the Peens. Yes. Oh. Yeah, Rodrigo. So this guy is, uh, is just laden with controversy. Yeah, I know. It's just up the yin-yang with controversy. And I'm going to tell you all about it. Okay, so Rodrigo, Mr. Duterte, also known as Roddy, or as I like to call him, Digong. Mm. Right? Yeah. Good old Digong. Yeah. But uh, I think we're going to call him Roddy right now, or Roddy. He was was basically, um, he was mayor... Of, uh, where was he? Duval, wasn't he? Duval? Duval, yes, yes, yes. And then became president and got into all sorts of trouble with uh, rapes and murders and uh, hangings and decapitations and all of this sort of thing. He studied political science at uh, the Lyceum, Philippines University, I'm sure I'm saying that right. Graduated 1968. Got a law degree, very educated yeah. fellow. A lawyer, yeah. See, so far he sounds like nice, educated guy. Mm. He's doing well with him for himself. Yeah, similar yeah. to a previous president, Marcos was a lawyer. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, he was doing good as a lawyer. Was a prosecutor for Davao. That's a city. If you didn't know, Davao City. Biggest in the Philippines. Mm. Isn't that where your mum's from? No. No. Is that where my mum's from? <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Decided to get into politics and became uh, vice mayor of Davao. Yeah. And subsequently the mayor of the city in the wake of the Philippine Revolution. Right? Which is what year? Oh, I'm glad you asked. 1986. The year I was born. Really? Well, you were a a child of the revolution. Yeah, that's what we called like eight people born in 86 Edsa babies. What does that mean? EDSA is the uh, revolution that happened, which you should probably cover, but mm. it's the biggest, the, the, the one that ousted uh, Marcos. Ah, well, it, it's, it's not down in my notes, so I don't think that happened. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll gloss well, over the well, Philippines. Well, jot that down as a thing that you should research next. All right, jotting it down, Philippine revolution. EDSA. <laughs> Got it, yeah. EDSA, you're an EDSA baby. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like you have some form of uh, <laughs> mental. <laughs> it's a baby. So he he was mayor for seven terms, right? He served as mayor over twenty two years. Yeah, you know that that's a yeah. long time. He's uh he's frequently described as a populist mm. and a nationalist. Mm. Do you want to tell us what a populist is? A what? One second, let me try that again. Pop. Uh, Populist. Populist? Yeah, what's populist? I don't know. You don't know? No, what is it? It means they were like really popular in high school. (laughs) And that's how. Yeah, that's how it became mayor. And a nationalist. Yeah. Which meant that he he became popular (laughs) nationwide. And uh, there was a paper called The Nationalist. And he became uh, the lead writer for it. And that. That happened. And then, uh, yeah, that's his background, right? That's not interesting. Let's get to the interesting stuff. Okay. All right. So, he's frequently described that. And uh, his political success has been aided by vocal support for extrajudicial killing of drug users and other criminals. What does that mean? That means that this guy likes a murder. I mean, yeah. 
He loves a murder. He's I mean, a- like, he was so anti-drug, and mm. you couldn't, you know, you couldn't smoke publicly in Davao City. Really? Well, he was mayor. Yeah, he you couldn't do that, and basically, they kind of like, like, Singapore where no chewing gum as well or something. Uh-huh. Something like that. It's very strict, but in fairness to him, Davao City became really, like, the least... Crime. Oh well, you say that. I will. Mm. I'll tell. I'll tell you more. Because, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, this this guy is known for a killing, and he uh, apparently human rights groups documented over one thousand four hundred killings operating in Davao between ninety eight and two thousand six. Mm. 2016 even. 2016, That's a yeah. Lot. <laughs> That's even longer. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, what did it, he do between that and this presidency? A lot of suntanning. <laughs> yeah. But they actually, uh, a 2009 report by the Philippine Commission on Human Rights said that he, the systematic practice of ex- extra, hard to say, extra judicial, judicial, judicial killings by the by the Duval death squad were huge, but there's no evidence. Mm. This is all very complicated. Yeah. There's no evidence, right? Ah, death squads. Stop tapping the table. Can't be helped. Death squads. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, death squads. What I know, because I haven't been, I haven't lived in the Philippines since two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. So all I really hear about is the like through the news. And we don't really watch a lot of Philippine news here. Ah. So, like, Death Squad is, like, I remember, like, people on uh, motorcycles would just ambush drug dealers and just pop, 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 pop. Bloody hell. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Well, apparently, yeah. Yeah. After his inauguration, uh, Duterte gave a speech where he urged Filipinos to kill drug addicts. Not dealers, just addicts? No, drug addicts. Ooh. It's in the books. Yeah. He asked the uh, the communist rebels, the People's Army, mm. to use your kangaroo courts to kill them to speed up the solution to our problem. I see. This is all, this is all real. This is documented. Yeah. It's actually happened. It's not a TV show. It's a real thing. Yeah. And he justified the drug war by claiming that the Philippines was becoming a narco state. According to the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, the uh, prevalence of drug use in the country is lower than the global average now. So, that's something. I guess so. I mean, there's a lot of killings, but the numbers, the graphs... The drugs are down, but the murders are up. Pie charts don't lie. There we go. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, uh, Duterte legend that he is he uh he dismissed human rights by he said uh i dehumanize drug users right crime against humanity this is a quote by him he said crime against humanity in the first place i'd like to be frank with you are they humans what is your definition of a human being i will kill who i want he didn't say the last bit, but (laughs) i assume that's what he was thinking you should really like quote unquote uh, nah, just, uh, you can use your imagination. It's all good, yeah. And in the first three months of his term in office, these are official police figures, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there were over 3,000 killings attributed to the anti-drug campaign. 3,000? Yep. In the first, yeah, three months. Of his... Do the maths. Yeah. It's 1,000 a month. Oh baby, you. yeah, did the math, got my, my pie chart out, and ate the pie. Yeah, police, a senior police officer told the Guardian, I'm sure he was killed moments later, slaughtered, that 10, uh, ten special ops, official police death squads, had been operating, and that he personally, this guy, whistleblower. Yeah. I'm not sure what his name is in the Philippines. What's Philippines for whistleblower? A whistleblower. Whistleblower. The whistleblower 
whistleblower. He was it was personally personally involved in killing eighty seven. Eighty seven suspect, yeah. Yeah. And he said how the corpses were dumped at the roadside and they called these corpses salvage victims. That's what they called them. God. Yeah. Or had their heads wrapped wrapped in masking tape with a cardboard placard labelling them as a drug offender so that the killing would not be investigated. Mm-hmm. 2016, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And then the uh, the chairman of the uh, of the Commission on Human Rights, Mr. Chito Gascon, Chito Gascon was quoted as saying, "I'm not surprised. I've heard of I've heard of this. I know it. Killing's going on. Carry on. Right. Placard on the face, masking tape. So you could kill your mother-in-law." And put a masking tape <laughs> and a placard. Drug user, you're free. You're free. You ride. Ah, uh, Duterte carried on with his uh, with his despicable ways. And uh, in the two thousand sixteen election, he campaigned for the restoration of the death penalty. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And he won. He he won that election. Obviously, he's still. He's still Presidente, El Presidente. And uh, he was like, he wanted the death penalty for criminals involved in illegal drugs, gun-for-hire syndicates, and those who commit heinous crimes, such as rape, robbery, or car theft, where the victim is murdered. Okay. Yeah. What about robbery and also the victim was murdered? Mm, then you get double death. Ah. Double down. Double death, double down. It's not good. He theatrically vowed in one of his many... He, Duterte like, likens himself to... Um, Hitler. Uh, Hitler a little bit, but <laughs> he's not said that. But what he has said is that he admires Trump and that he really... He, he likes the way Trump goes about his business. Yeah, he fucking serenaded Trump when... He when Trump visited the Philippines. Yeah, 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 which is weird because uh, Duterte made a big deal out of splitting relations away from the West mm. and America until Trump became president. I see. And then he was just bumming Trump all day long. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, this was all going on. He wanted he wanted the uh, the death penalty, and he said. Um, he, he theatrically, say it, theatrically vowed to litter Manila Bay with the bodies of criminals. He said that. Yeah, that was one of, one of his re-election points. I will litter the bay. I will litter the bay. Lit up? Light up? Litter. 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 Oh. Like trash, like yeah. rubbish. Imagine the heads. With drug user painting of them. Litter the Manila Bay with the bodies of the criminals. You probably shouldn't do that. Is that a good accent? <laughs> That's a good accent. I'm spot on. Yep. And it kind of passed for certain things. But uh, in the end, they were like, uh, you're mental. We're not reinstating the death penalty. So uh, there weren't enough votes. So he's just like, I'm going to kill people myself. <laughs> and that happened. And uh, as of now, the uh, the war on drugs, the death squads, have resulted in at least 6,000 deaths. Mm. 250 odd thousand arrests. Mm. And uh, they've destroyed 6 billion pesos. What's that? Six billion pesos. How much money is a that? A trillion pounds, dollars. No. What are we looking at in real money? Um, six billion pesos is, uh, twelve billion yen. All right, twelve. No one knows yen. <laughs> All right, say say twenty zillion dollars worth of drugs. Your job for this podcast is to do that yourself. Research it. How much this is, is six? Fully researched to the dollar. Uh. <laughs> right? 
seized a lot of drugs. Let's just say he seized a lot of drugs and disposed of them. Did he really dispose of them? Of course he did, up his nose. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, otherwise it'd be very Allegedly. Sad, allegedly. Why are we saying allegedly? Is he going to come here? No, but... Is we... this guy going to come here? We could get sued. Am I in trouble here? Do you know that? By who? By... By the dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Duterte, if you're listening, no, sh- I want to fight up. you. I want to <laughs> fight you in the streets of Manila. I, I'm i a drug user. Come and get me. All right. Yeah, paracetamol. <laughs> uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> paracetamol and all the, all the rest. All right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this Duterte fella. What a legend, hey? He's a... Uh, he, uh, there's been a big thing about sexual abuse... Yeah. With him. The old rapey rape. Yeah, because Duterte said that he was sexually abused by a priest when he was younger. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I was, I was sexually abused by a priest. Can you stop? Do you, do you stop using the accents? Please? No more accents. Please. No more accents. But he did say mm. that he was sexually bummed. I could have been sucked. I don't know. Sucked or bummed. Sorry if you were uh, either of those. I, uh, I'm sure it was a delight. Uh, but he was, he was sexually abused by a priest. Oh. Yeah. He told, he told me he's looking with a lot of anger at me. He was, he was challenged, right, by, the, by the, the Catholic Bishops Conference of the Philippines, or the CBCD. CP? CBCP? CP. It's not the Dillafines. The Dillafines? Yeah, well, they said to Duterte, nah, mate, this didn't happen. You're absolutely bloody mental. Right, but he said... It's like like the devil and some other evil thing fighting each other. Mm. (laughs) I can't think of another evil. The The devil and and Hitler. Yeah, they just are arguing... uh, I got raped, well, you killed that person. Well, I got, I got, I got bummed, well, I sucked that person. And it all worked out. But there's the, the Catholic, the Catholic Association. The, the church. The Catholic bum boys. <laughs> they, um, they said, Oi, Duterte, you've got to name this priest and file a case against him. You can't just be, uh, you can't just be throwing, throwing accusations out here. And Duterte went, I'll call you bluff. The priest's name is Mark Falvey. No idea. No idea. He uh, he died in nineteen seventy five. This guy, mm. right? And then uh, the the Jesuits of the Society of Jesus in the Philippines confirmed it, right? Confirmed that. Confirmed that he was raped, and uh, shit, really? Yeah. And then Duterte was paid out. So they paid out 16 million quid or dollars. Pesos? Yeah. Because then they found out that, that this priest sexually abused at least nine children in Los Angeles oh as well. God. Yeah. From like the 60s to the mid 70s. Yeah. And, there, and there's been loads more claims after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and there's been lo- loads of settlements paid out, and uh, this this priest's brother was at it as well. Oh my god, it was it was horrific. There's just uh, lots going on. People asked Duterte, like, what? Why? Why did you wait until now to say or you know say mm-hmm. say about all this? Yeah, and uh, he said he never disclosed it because uh, he would have been expelled from high school. Wow, he was scared to say it. Yeah. Duterte's daughter then came forward as well, Mm. more recently, and said that she was abused, right? By? By, uh, it's unsure. She didn't really go into details. Or I I didn't really do the research. But (laughs) she did say that she was abused. And uh, do you know what Duterte said? Suck it up. Yeah, said stop stop making a fuss, woman. Suck it up. Yeah. So, he loves to kill a rapey, but he doesn't seem that bothered, to be honest. Uh, yeah, what a yeah, he's a, he's obviously a mass murderer, this guy, Roddy. And uh, 
shot a guy in, when he was at law school, shot a guy in a rally, and uh, yeah, he, he said, the truth is, I'm used to shooting, oh, sorry, the accent, yeah. the truth is, I'm used to shooting people, when I, when I was about to graduate from San Beda, San Beda, I shot a person. Why did he shoot that person? We were, we were just having a bit of uh, fun and japes. What? No, he he like he uh, <laughs> he told he, he he said that that he was being uh, he was being bullied by that by person. a guy, so he shot him. Oh God! Yeah, and his definition of bullying is just like the guy who said, "Like, uh, can I borrow your chair?" <laughs> yeah, you sharpen up, please, mate. And uh, he shot him in the ear. That happened. What a terrible guy this is. But then. Uh, he said, but then later on he said, no, no, I meant to say I was just, I was japing around, fun and games, and we do just, I shot it into the floor. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of an absolute maniac, this guy, yeah. Uh, you want some more fun facts? Yeah. All right. 95. After the floor, contemplation. Contemplation. Yeah? Yeah. What's that? Um, It was a woman who was... Uh... Um, there was a movie of her life. She was an over OFW. Mm, what's an OFW? Overseas Filipino worker. Ah, like myself, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and then she... I forgot about it already. Ah, well, let me tell you. She was, um... Well, she was... Where Where did she work abroad? Where did she work? Singapore. Yeah, so she was she, a a, she, a Filipina. Ah, uh, she was killed. She was executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Singapore. Yeah. After confessing to a double murder. That's a movie played by. She was played by Nora Honor. Ah. Yeah, I think. I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. maybe we'll watch it later. Hey, <laughs> yeah, sounds thrilling. Yeah, Duterte burned a flag of Singapore, and uh, joined a load of protesters about it. Yeah. That yeah. was a big thing. Yeah. I mean, I was only nine at that time. But... Mm. Yeah. He's not all, all bad. Yeah? Yeah, he's got some good points. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Like everyone. Because for many, many years before before he took office in Davao City, mm. right, Davao had the highest murder rate, mm, mm. right? Highest murder rate, second highest rape rate, rape rate, yeah, that's a fun sale, isn't it? Yeah, twenty percent off rape rate, and the fourth highest number of index crimes. What's an index crime? What's an index crime? Uh, I think it's like, it's like <laughs> petty theft, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Petty theft and uh, you know, knock door run, run that sort of thing. <laughs> was that ding dong dash? Ding dong dash. Yeah. <laughs> so Davao was an absolute, absolute just dump. For uh, many years, but then he, he took over as mayor, and uh, Duterte claimed the city is now one of the world's safest. Yeah. Yeah, it's always a thing we were talking about, like in school growing up. Yeah. Like Davao is really safe and clean, and oh. yeah, I've yeah. only been there once. Where is Davao in the South. Philippines? South. South. I have family there. Ah, oh, get them out. Get them out now. Although it's safe. They're fine. They can just wander around <laughs> with uh, bags of gold. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Yeah, like leprechauns. Yeah. But now, actually, Davao is uh, fifth in the ranking of world's safest cities. Wow. Yeah. So you, do you believe that? Fifth safest city in the world. That doesn't sound right. Safe for people... Uh, I guess I can believe it. Yeah. We're all scared of Duterte. Yeah. Everyone's too scared to do anything. Ah, living in fear. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what's the uh, the city at the top? It's the top safest city in the world. Is it in Japan? Yeah. Is it Tokyo? No. Osaka. Bim bom. Yeah. Oh. It's a, yeah safest city in the world with a eighty four on the uh, the safety index. Eight Where does Tokyo rank? Out of 10,000. Uh, well, it's Osaka 1, Seoul 2, uh. 
and Singapore. And what's four? Number three. Number four wasn't available, but I do know number five. <laughs> Davao. Davao. Yes. The list only went to number three. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about that. But it's Davao's num- number two in Southeast Asia is the safest. So, yeah, if you're going to go on a nice holiday with your family, go to Davao. Davao. Davao, is that a place? <laughs> Devo. 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 <laughs> Uh, although, I mean, it's it's very safe according to the stats, but, but, yeah. big but, yeah. like you, mm. uh, there, in 2015, there was a, a case of a tourist who thought, what a safe city. So he went there on holiday with his family and he was forced to swallow his own cigarette in a local bar. That's why you can't smoke in public in well, that bar. Well, that's what happened. He was smoking in the bar, and the 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 bar owner said, uh, "You're gonna have to cut that out, mate." Mm. That's how they talk in the Philippines. Cut that out, mate. Yeah. Bang. Put it away. That's bang out of order. And uh, Duterte was contacted what? by the bar owner. Yeah. The bar owner was like, "Oi, Duterte, there's a, there's a Brit lads on tour smoking." In my bar, in my bar, and uh, he won't. He went. Duterte went personally to the bar, and forced the tourist to swallow his cigarette butt. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah. There was a the time we went to Davao. So my family and I went to Davao, and we were staying at this resort, and then um, we were eating at the restaurant. And it, basically, in the Philippines, anywhere that's open air, you can smoke. Yeah. Before Duterte became president. So my dad lit up a cigarette, and then the waiter quickly came and said, Sir, sir, sorry, you can't smoke here. Yeah, and, and then Duterte the, D- 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 came. <laughs> no, he didn't, but, like, um, like especially now, because there were police officers in the restaurant. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so my dad just, yeah, my dad just put it out right away. but the waiter looked so scared like sir 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 sorry you have to put that out yeah yeah close call but and your your dad was uh is japanese yeah yeah could be classed as a tourist yeah so oh my god that's a bit uh bit dicey so he continues with his magnificent reputation there i think we, we touched on earlier that he uh he decided that the philippines don't want to have a relationship with the West anymore. You said. Yeah. Until after Trump became president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, he said that he, uh, they can't cut ties with America because of, you know, all the uh, Philippine Americans. Yeah. It would be impossible. And so many workers in America. Exactly, in exactly. America. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's been on a bit of a, bit of a push for territory. Uh-huh. Do you know about this? Yeah. Mm. He's there. Uh, he, uh, in 2017, ordered the Philippine Armed Forces. Did you know you have an Armed Forces? Yeah, the PMA. Isn't that a music award show? <laughs> PMAs? The Philippine Military Academy is the PMA, oh. and that's where they come from. Yeah, he ordered, uh, he, he ordered the, the army to uh, occupy and fortify at least nine uninhabited islands in the South China Sea mm. which seemed a bit risky with China around yeah because they, they will so. just absolutely crush mm. the peens like a peanut and uh, to, it, during their independence day he, uh, he raised the Philippine flag at one of the main islands <laughs> yeah. is that the Spratlys Islands? that is the Pagasa Pagasa? Uh the the titu the what titu i don't know what that is it's an island what? can i see what yeah titu titu pagasa okay yeah 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 <laughs> and uh, yeah he ordered the the philippine navy to build structures on the benham rise in order to reassure the philippine sovereignty over the undersea region Ah. Under the sea. (laughs) Under the Benham Rise. And he renamed it all to the Philippine Ridge. Mm. He's he's just out there claiming all this 
Chinese land, <laughs> hoping that nothing will happen. How and do you then, know they're Chinese? Because this was Chinese land. Was it really? It was in the Chinese Sea. Well, no, it was in the South China Sea, but the South uh, China Sea touches the Philippines. Does it? Well, he's occupying all that, putting laying flags. I know. Doing all this. He's a menace. That's why it's a big, you know, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, uh, the region... Uh, don't do the voice. The, <laughs> the region has long been, long been militarised. And the question is, what can we do? Which led to accusations of, of dereliction of his sacred core duty. Of defending Philippine territory, so now the Philippines are like uh, are, are trying to be more in with China, yeah, and Russia, yeah. That those are the allies, same as North Korea. Woo! There's your man Duterte. He's still in office now, and he's popular as ever, right? Uh huh. I'll just leave you with this. Trump said, "I just wanted to congratulate you because I hear you're doing an unbelievable job." Yeah. Yeah. From Trump. That was a quote from Trump. Yeah. About his good friend. Roddy. 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 What was his other name? Digong. Bandapong. Yeah. Papa Doots. Billabong. Ping Pong. Call him Papa Doots. Papa Doots. Digong. Yeah, I said Digong. Digong Detert. Digong Detert. Long live El Presidente. Did you learn anything new? I did actually. Yeah. Mm. Like all the, all the stuff about his past. Yeah. No idea. I kind of yeah. This is good for me though. This podcast because it'll reignite my interest in my background. Well, it's reignited the fact that I never want to go to the Philippines again. Tell me. Yes. Hit me with your history. So, I'm gonna let you open your drink. One sec. Okay. Okay. So I knew all about your topic. Like I no, not that I knew all about it, but I knew what your topic was gonna going to be. No, you didn't. Maybe I did. All right. All right. So, but this time you you don't know mine, right? Beef Wellington. Now, ah. but I will give you yep. some clues, and then you have to try and guess. What okay? is this, a quiz? There are some quizzes here. It's fun. <laughs> is this a university challenge? <laughs> yeah. All right. What's the other one, the hoity-toity one? Mas- um, mastermind. No, the other one with um, David Mitchell's wife. Uh, connect. Connect. Something. This is c- Connect. You connect. Four? Connect you. Connect now. Connect four. Connect four. David Mitchell's wife. Okay. Okay. So, um, so my, so I'm also talking about a person. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's an English pop singer. Robin Williams. Robin. Him Robin? as well. Robbie. Robbie Williams' brother. Was often called the king of romance in his heyday. Oh, David Mitchell. No. And so this one is according to Steve Huey from allmusic.com, one of the finest middle-of-the-road balladeers around, a sensitive lyric interpreter with excellent vocal technique and a three-and-a-half-octave vocal range. Uh, Cliff Richard. No, he's from Leicester. Engelbert Humphrey. Yeah, pimple! Say his name, people can't hear me. I'm sorry. So I'm talking about Mr. Engelbert Humperdinck. Engelbert Humperdinck. Is it Humperdinck or Humperdinkt? Sorry, what? With a T? Yeah. No T. Because, so, yeah, you search him on YouTube, you know, as you do, uh, <laughs> and it's you get some Humperdinkt, you get some no, Humperdinkt. No, it's Humperdinck All right. with a CK at the end. Okay. All right. So, uh, would you believe that's not his real name? Did you think it was his real name? I would believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Very good name, very memorable. Yeah. But he was actually born Arnold George Dorsey. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Strong British name. Arnold George Dorsey in uh, Madras, British India, which is now present day Chennai, India. Chennai. Nice. 
1936. So they moved to Leicester when he was 10. Leicester? Leicester. Where I'm from. Where you're from. Ah, <laughs> clever. What a pun. Was it a pun? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm from Leicester in England. Yeah. Which is the middle of England. Because yeah. everyone always asks me that, especially in Japan. I say, Leicester? No, people don't get racist. I'm Japanese. It's not oh, racist. Yeah, you are, yeah. So when, when people ask me in Japan, Ah, you're from England. Uh, are you from Rondon? Rondon? You're being racist. I say, you mean London? I said, ah, no, I'm from, I'm not from Rondon. I'm from Leicester, Leicester, which is in the bang smack centre of England. And it's a big city. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he grew up on, do you know every street <laughs> in Leicester? I don't know every street. <laughs> Stop twirling. Wow, sorry. Um, he grew up on Highfield Street. Oh, I know Highfield is an estate. It's an area, yeah. yeah. It's a, that's like, uh, <laughs> I want it to be really bad there, but uh, that's, that's, not the nicest area uh, of Leicester. I mean, if you live there, I'd I'd say you're not doing too well. Uh, I looked on Google Maps because you're from Wigston, yeah. And it says it's ten minutes to Wigston by car. Yeah, we're pretty much ev- anywhere in Leicester's ten minutes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, okay, back to Mr. Engelbert. Okay. So he later became interested in music and started to learn how to play the piccolo. S- no, saxophone. Oh. Yes. And then, uh-huh. <laughs> when, so by the 1950s, so when he was about 14. He was dead. So by the 1950s, when he was about 14 years old, he was uh, playing the saxophone in various nightclubs or pubs. <laughs> so I, I had to, so, so he didn't start singing, because what is he really known for? What song? Sing it. Um... Oh no, what's he has? The uh, last Christmas. Uh, what? Angels, I don't know. Release me. Ah, it was playing in my mind as well. <laughs> trying to think of the song. All right. Oh, so, so um, he didn't actually start singing till, till um, in his late teens. When suddenly, like one night, mm. and I did like a deep dive on this, and I found which. Um, pub he did it at yeah so he put down his saxophone and started singing holy moly at uh, bond street working man's club well i know bond street yeah there's a working man's club there in the 50s where he first sang ah so he, he was just having a pint in there no no he was playing like he was oh, performing he was with actually the saxo- performing. saxophone <laughs> yeah and then he put it down and then he started doing impressions oh and He's uh he decided to uh impersonate Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Was he one of the guys on Ocean's 11? What? Well, that's how he goes. So he did an impression of Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Do you know Jerry Lewis? Uh can't say I do. Um you know Dean Martin? That's what I said. I said Ocean's 11. Yeah. So so it was um so he did an imp- uh, he impersonated Jerry Lewis and his friends absolutely loved it and started and started calling him Jerry Dorsey. Right. But he chose I don't know why, but he chose to spell it with a G instead of a J. Yeah. I thought it was a G. Yeah, but Jerry Lewis is with a J. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he changed his name to Jerry Dorsey and he worked under that name for about 10 years actually. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, I watched, actually, yeah, I went on to YouTube and I watched, um, there was an interview with, uh, Jerry Lewis and, um, Engelbert Humperdinck, mm. like, they were talking to each other, and then Jerry Lewis actually thought his, Engelbert's real name was Jerry Dorsey, and then Engelbert Humperdinck, such a long name, uh, corrected him and said, like, actually, my real name's Arnold George. Oh, okay. But everybody thought it was Jerry because that's what he worked. Like, he, he became a little bit known. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, so now, so they discovered, he discovered he could sing. 
<laughs> so so I was he he was trying to get his music career off the ground. Mm-hmm. It was inter- interrupted by his conscription into the British Army Royal Corps of Signals. Right. Yes. What's that? It's the it's the branch of the British Army that's in charge of like communications and stuff. So like a what like a traffic cop. No, he had to go to war. Signals. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, he had to go to war. So I was searching, like, like how, like, did he have any interviews or anything about his time in the war? Mm-hmm. So there was a I watched another YouTube video Bloody where hell. he talked about his time in Germany. By the way, his uh, his mom is a uh, half German. Right. Yeah. So she had time. He he had he he served in Germany. Yeah. And then. <laughs> what, what year are we talking here? Uh, nineteen fifty three. Bloody hell! I thought we were at least in the seventies. No, he was All born right. thirty six, nineteen thirty six. All right, I'm strapping in. Yeah, so strap on. Listen, and then the best thing of that video, what I got was like, yeah, there's a, he had a saying that said, "A snappy pappy makes you happy." Is that his catchphrase? <laughs> Yeah, he's catchy. Like, yeah, a snappy puppy. Snappy meaning is he loves his schnapps. Snappy puppy. A snappy puppy makes you happy. Did he say it like Sean Connery? Uh, you gotta have to. A snapper puppy. Okay. Next, puppy. ready? So after, so he was discharged in 1958. Yeah. And he released his first single, "I'll Never Fall in Love Again." Ah. But it failed. It was not a hit. So, Engie. Is that your nickname for him? Or? No, people call him Engie. Engie? Yeah. Kept, uh, he kept working on, um, he kept working in nightclubs and mm-hmm. he began appearing in British television shows. Really? Yeah. And then he was on it a lot, but he didn't have his own songs. Yeah. Or, so, in England, he became known as a pop singer with no hits. Ah, oh, okay. Mm. He was just doing old covers. Yeah. Just sing, yeah. Sing on TV. Then something sad happened. In 1961, he unfortunately contracted TB. He got the tuberculosis. Ah. Yeah. What a year. Yeah. Snappy puppies and tuberculosis. <laughs> so he said in an interview that he really didn't, like, he really doesn't know how he got the TB, mm. but that it might have been through starvation mm. because times were tough. TB is a sexually, sexually transmitted disease, right? Are you kidding me? I am indeed kidding Good. you. Good. Yes. Uh, so he, after a year, he became a well again, and he started um, performing in nightclubs again. Oh. So this time, he's still known as Jerry Dorsey, and mm. still unsuccessful. When he was in the army, mm. was he known as Jerry in the army? That I don't know. They probably called him. I don't think he officially changed mm. his name. Sergeant Jerry. Oh God. No. No. Oh, okay. Humperdinck. <laughs> So then in 1965, okay. Oh, we're in the 65s. We're in the 65s now. Okay. He's he's beaten tuberculosis. He's done quite a lot already, hasn't he? Yeah. And he has, but he's not successful. He's not famous yet. Well, he's making a living. He is making a living, but he did say that he got TB because of starvation. Mm, so he's not making a living. <laughs> okay. So in 1965, uh-huh. our man Engelbert, I wrote that down. Signed on with Gordon Mills. Gordon Mills, my favorite beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he was his. Uh, Gordon was his old roommate in London, oh. and Gordon was actually um, managing another up and coming singer. That time, can you guess who? Cliff Richard. No. God damn it. Uh, his uh, he also changed uh, this. He also changed this singer's name. His name was Tom Woodward. It became Tom... Holland? Come on! Tom D- J- Jones, could it be? 
Yes. Ah, another famous English singer. Is he Welsh? He's Welsh, yeah. <laughs> of course he is. I'm claiming him. But, so yeah, he, he was the one, so Gordon Mills was the one who convinced Tom Jones to change his name to Tom Jones. Ah. And so he convinced Jerry Dorsey, a.k.a. AKA Arnold George Dorsey, to change his name as well yeah. to Engelbert Humperdinck. Okay. Mm. So you, it's like you have Tom Jones and then you've got Engelbert Humperdinck. So w- why? Are you going to tell me why? Well, I'm going to, I have a pop quiz. So where did they get that name? Oh, where did they get that name? Boom. A. Yeah. It was made up. B. It was from a German singer from the 90s. A. No, no, from the 90s. From a, the 1920s. Made up. Or C. From no. an Austrian composer. C. C. Which one? C. Austrian composer. That's correct. Really? Yes. He <laughs> composed. Uh, he wrote. He he's most famous for um, making Hansel and Gretel into a musical or something. Absolute banger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so then, uh, so now he's Engelbert Humperdinck. What? But why? Why did he choose? That out of all of the the names he could have thought of and people he could have chosen because Gordon Mills said it is super memorable, they will remember it. Mm. All right, we'll see about that. Okay, mm. so then Engie, yeah, experienced his first real success in Belgium. Belgium, yeah, when he and four others represented the UK mm. in the annual Knock Song Contest. K-N-O-K-K-E. It's a place in Belgium. Ah, beautiful seaside town. Yeah. Do you know it? It's the town of Knock. I, I don't know. I don't know what you know. Uh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, move along. Move along. <laughs> don't ask me to find it on a map. Yes. So, I researched this as well, the Knock Song Contest, and it's it only lasted for, like, a few years. It, like, so he won, he won the contest in July 1966. Yeah. But, um, I looked at it, and I think the last, the last contest was, like, on the, in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So, he won that song contest, and he landed in the Belgian charts that year. Ooh. His first real success. Did he get any chocolates? Probably. To fight the TB. Bonus. So, I have a did you know part. What? Have you got got a jingle? Did you you know? No. You make that. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know about Humperdink? Well, we're going to use did you know in other other episodes. A little change. Okay. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know about Humperdink? No. <laughs> Hit me. So, uh, do you know the songwriter Bert Comfort? No. But he was a really popular uh, songwriter in the sixties. Okay. So he he was he offered Engie. Yeah. Uh, arrangements of three songs: Spanish Eyes, mm-hmm. Wonderland by Night, and Strangers in the Night. Ah. So, so Engelbert Humperdinck went to London and recorded these songs and he saw super great potential in um, Strangers in the, in the Night uh, and you, requested it. Can you sing it? Strangers in the Night. Mm, not bad, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> and requested if he could release it as a single, but his request was refused because... It who had dibs? Uh, Dean Martin. Mr. Frank Sinatra. Ah, good old Frankie Blue Eyes. Yes. Yeah, so, good British boy. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, now, but this is where it gets good. Ah. So now, Engie. Yeah. Released his version of Release Me. Yeah. Wait, which goes? You sing it. Please, please, please. Yeah, carry on. Okay. So that was 1967. It topped the charts. 
charts in Britain. Did it now? So that year, yeah, Angie was bigger than the Beatles. Ooh, baby. He kept Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane from reaching the number one spot in the UK. Wow, that's amazing. Man. I know. Release Me went on to become the highest selling single of 1967. Whoa. Yeah. But he's, he's probably not known anywhere outside of England. That's not true. You'll tell me about this. Yes. But like, Engelbert Humperdinck is surprisingly really popular in the Philippines. Is it? He is. Okay. Yeah, especially with, you know, like, people born or who were teenagers in the 60s. Okay. Really, like, it was mega. Well, like your mum. Mm. So your mum was, like, fanning about. My my mum was not a teenager in the 60s. 40s. (laughs) He quickly became a superstar. Yes. And, like, seriously, like, his hits, like, he had a B-side song that was super popular in New Zealand. He was popular everywhere. Yeah. Hmm. And, um, he... He had a massive, massive... Do you, do you know what he looks like? Yeah. Like, when he was young? No. I, I only know him as an yeah. old, yeah. like, crooner geezer. Oh, he was a very handsome man. Okay. And he, credit, he credited to be the, the, the inspiration for uh, Elvis's look. Ooh, he had that ooh. look before Elvis did. Wank bang. <laughs> So, yeah, he's tall. Yeah. Got the jet black hair with the massive sideburns. Stop right there. Yeah. Okay. So, so he had a massive following. Mostly women. Mm. Do you know what they called those women? Uh, The humpers. No. Oh, the dinkers. The dinks. Humperdinkers. Humperdinkers. Yeah, those were the original believers. Ah. (laughs) So this man works non-stop. Hardworking geezer. Very hardworking. So in the 70s, I'm going to go fast. So he recorded a ton of songs. He starred in a BBC One variety show called Engelbert with the Young Generation. Bloody hell, yeah. He performed regularly in Las Vegas. Yeah. In 1976, he won the most played jukebox record of the year award. I don't know who does that, goes around the world. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> impressive, right? And he made his first appearance on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Wow. So he was big in America as he well. Was big boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then so, and then he performed his stage show on Broadway. Stage show? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, that was 70s. Now, here, in the 1980s and 90s, still recording regularly, uh-huh. performing as many as 200 concerts a year. Yeah. Headlining in Las Vegas. He appeared on television shows like The Love Boat. Ooh, one of my favorites. And yeah. Fantasy Island. Fantasy Bloody the Island. The Plane! The Plane! The Okay. Okay. I thought, that, I thought that was World War Two, but... Zeppelin! Okay. Yeah, So, uh, he released a double album. He was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Ooh. And I saw this on his wiki page, that he won the Golden Globe for Entertainer of the Year. Yeah. But I looked at it, there's, there wasn't. Nice. So I have, I have like three question marks next to it. So oh. I don't know who wrote that. Citation okay. needed. Yeah, yeah. Sounds mm. like Trump, yeah. And he did a song for the Beavis and Butthead movie, Do America. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that was something about lesbian something. I should have written that down, sorry. Yeah. And then he made a dance album. Wow. He had a top 20 album in the UK after like 20 years. Mm-hmm. He had a... And he filed a li- and he filed and won a libel suit against the National Enquirer. About what? It was um, there was a woman um, alleging to be uh, him. No, it was a pater- it was a paternity suit. 
uh, claiming that he had, she gave birth to his daughter. Uh, but in, in reality, for about like 60 years, he's been firing baby makers. Oh, yeah. like Everywhere. The, one of the quotes that I read was that his wife, yeah. his wife he stayed married to for a long time. His wife said like she could like wallpaper their bedroom with all the paternity suits that were... Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's that many. Well, how old's your mum? My mum? Yeah. She's 60. Ah. So right in the right sweet spot, right? Humperdinck. Yeah. Yeah. You could be a child of Humperdinck. No. No. Yeah. Add UK to the list of your backgrounds. (laughs) Get in. Come on. Mm, Hamperdink. Yeah. So, so that was in the 90s, 80s and 90s. So yeah. in the in the 2000s, how old would he be? Ooh. He was born 1936. Oh, maths. We're talking in his uh, 70s. Yeah. So 60s, 70s. Yeah. So, again, he had like he never stopped. Like so many I I think his albums, I think I counted that he had like a hundred something. Yeah. Yeah. And those were all just uh, Christmas albums, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, so he had like more, more like recordings of songs, musical collaborations and Grammy nominations. And the gorillas. The, ask, the gorillas. The gorillas. Yeah. Not the animal, but the. The gorillas. Band. Yeah, got it. Asked him to collaborate with them on a on their album Plastic Beach. Really, but big but but his management team turned the gorillas down without Engie's knowledge. Ah, what a waste! He could have been contemporary. Seriously, like uh, and then so he said, and I quote: Mm. "It was the most grievous sin ever committed," and he fired that management team. Good boy. Humperdinck. Like, he was so angry. Yeah, he would be. And then, um, do you know what John Smith is? A bit. He appeared in a John Smith ad in the 2000s. (laughs) We should look that up later. I recall those adverts. Yeah. Yeah. They were quite famous, yeah. (laughs) So now we're in the, I'm almost done, 2010s, 2020s. Yeah. Did you know that he represented the UK, uh, England, in the Eurovision? Some contest. I recall. Yeah. Yeah. It was 2012. Yeah. How do you think Engie did out of the 26 participants? Mm, Bottom five. He was 25th. (laughs) Beautiful. Leicester (laughs) represent. Come on. So, um, he also, he released a double CD of duets. Yeah. With some very amazing celebrities like Olivia Newton-John and... Um, I forgot the rest. <laughs> but yeah, he released a, a... And then... So... Since... Since 2017. Since 2017. He's released three albums. He's... 2017. How old is he? He's got to be in his 80s by now. Yeah. Yep. 81. 81. And then he High has... High risk corona. High risk. That's true. And has done a buttload of concerts. In 2019, he performed in Singapore, Manila, and Tokyo. What? We missed him. We missed him last, ah, last, last year. Hell. Yeah. I know. And then I looked in his website. If you go to his website yeah. and go to his events, he has like 20 concert dates spanning a year. Yeah. <laughs> April 2021 and March 2022. Uh, yeah. Tokyo, no, it was all like in the US. He lives in Vegas now. Uh, of like course he, does, he does. Yeah. yeah. He's like he's like Vegas um royalty. Yeah. Mr. Engie. Ah. Well, that's Engelbert Humperdinck from Leicester. Ah, he has a nice. He has he still has a home in Leicester. Where? I can't remember. Great Glen? I think so. It was it was Glen some yeah. Do you want to know a fact from my childhood? Did you live in Great Glen? I lived in Great Glen as a very young child, and uh, I'm like ninety nine percent sure it was like a big manor. Yeah. That was like divided into like uh, like apartment houses. Yeah. And uh, we lived in one of, in basically in his house. Really. True fact. 
Ooh. 99% sure. Engie could be your dad. Could be. The, uh, ni- 1980? How old was he then? <laughs> How old was he? He would be 44. 44. Oh. He was, yeah, right to bang my mum then. That was <laughs> delightful. Wank, bank. Did you learn anything? Connection. Well, I learned a lot because I thought... I, and I'm sure a lot of people in Leicester and the UK think that Humperdinck is a joke. Mm. That he is just a crooner wannabe who got nowhere. When in fact, he's an actual crooner who uh, Frank Sinatra stole the song from. Well, I mean, Frankie. Well, don't worry about the, the fine <laughs> details. But let's say that... But there's also the feud between him, um, between him and uh, Tom Jones. Like, Tom Jones called him a massive C-word. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he is. A lot of people call Tom, Tom Jones a massive cunt no, as well, but... Uh, no, Tom Jones called Engie. Who called who a cunt? Tom Jones called Engie a massive C Massive word. C. Well, good job it wasn't a massive N. <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. That was, that was fun. I hope everyone else enjoyed this. It's only our first episode. I know. We're going to try and do it once a week. History, events, people, things, places, vowels and consonants. They're all in there. Yeah. Anyway, should we cut it? Yeah. Let's cut it. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you next time.